Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sambasel Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. I'm so sorry that I wasn't on the last few days. I had to observe the Jewish holiday yesterday and I decided to take off on Friday as well. But I'm back at it and I'll be here for the next few days and for the future to give you guys everything going on in the world of Hollywood. And there's a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to dive right into it. There's a new Nick Fury Disney Plus show that is rumored to be in the works. Aldous Hodges is going to be in Black Adam. Who's he going to be playing? We'll be discussing that a little bit later on. And James Cameron offers updates on Avatar 2 and 3. But the first thing that I do want to get into, as I usually do when I start off the week off, whether it be on a Monday or a Tuesday, and that is the box office recap. And like it has been the last few weeks, there isn't a whole lot to talk about with it. As usual, Tenet has won the box office, but this is since 19, I think it was the 1990s that there has been a major blockbuster and a number one film at the box office has grossed less than $4 million at the overall box office this past weekend. And when you look at what Tenet did, it did $3.4 million. That is a total of $41.2 million here domestic and $283.2 million at the overall worldwide box office. So again, it's the same story as I've been talking about and a lot of other people have been talking about over the last few weekends. And it's that internationally, Tenet is doing very, very well. But here in the United States, Tenet is struggling, as is are the movie theaters, as is the entertainment and movie industry as a whole, as we've seen over the last two weeks or so, that studios have decided not to take the risk of putting any of their major films out in 2020 and moving it to 2021 or to the future. Last week, we saw Black Widow. We saw West Side Story. Soul is still staying on for November 20th as of right now. But a lot of films, major blockbusters that theaters were hoping for aren't really going to be opening up until November 20th when you have Disney Pixar Soul. And the bigger one, which I think a lot of theaters and a lot of people are going to be looking at right now, is the latest James Bond adventure, No Time to Die. So those are the ones to really look at. And overall, really, the Tenet experiment has not gone the way that Warner Brothers, I think, really hoped in terms of here domestically. Again, they really just went out on the limb, tried to offer something. Nolan wanted to be the one to revive the box office. And even though theaters did open up, and they have material to watch and for people to go and clamor for. It's not anything, there's nothing new really that's coming out. Tenet was the big film that was out a month ago at really at this period of time when he looked at it is September 29th, about a less than a, or more than a month ago now to a day that Tenet opened up in international theaters. So there hasn't been anything new. And in the markets that we have been in over the years, theaters have been having major films, big blockbusters after big blockbusters almost every single weekend or something to that extent. And if they don't have anything going on one weekend, it really is a month that they're going out without anything major. It's maybe 
three three weeks, two weeks at the latest. So for there nothing to be anything until November 20th, it's not a great sign for for the theaters, unfortunately. And again, I think theaters were, were hoping for some kind of jolt and they're not going to be able to, to survive on a lot of these classic films like Empire Strikes Back, Black Panther. You're having that there was a few Ruth Bader Ginsburg films like the documentary of RBG and on the basis of sex. Those aren't going to be able to sustain the box office for a long period of time. And the same thing is going to go for October, where according to a report that Halloween, the first Halloween in the, from the 70s, the I think it's the fourth and the fifth one as well, are going to be the, the films that are going to be coming out in October to kind of offer a horror vibe. And again, that's great. But it's not going to be able to sustain because people can just watch that stuff at home and not have to pay money to go see it on the big screen. Even though it would be cool to see those movies on the big screen, you're not going to pay the money to do that when you can just watch it from the comfort of your own home. And the same thing for Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. It'd be cool for people in my generation who never got to experience seeing those classic films on the big screen. But when you can watch films like that on Disney+, Plus, there's no need to pay out an extra even if it's ten dollars to go see those movies, it's not going to be worth it. All due respect to the theater. So, even though I think Warner Brothers was hoping for this to kind of jumpstart something, and at this given point in time, we would have been gearing up for potentially Wonder Woman eighty four this week. That's not happening until as of right now, around the Christmas time. So it's just it's unfortunate, but it's just it's just the way that the that the industry is going in right now and that's the direction that we're in and again i want to see tenant again and i might go see it in the next few weeks but there's nothing new to really kind of gravitate people to go see new mutants that was the thing all due respect of the past that came out a month ago now and that's something that people talked about and just moved on from and the same thing all due respect to tenant as well where it was a big hype for a little bit but now it's kind of a, a thing of the past and and i'm somebody who really really enjoyed tenant you can go listen to my review on it i'm somebody who had really high praises for that movie and i just don't think that people are interested in going to see it right now i don't think people want to risk it at this given moment in time and also a big big proponent of it is the fact that the major chains are still not open at this particular moment in time specifically the markets of los angeles and new york right now and when you look at the the number in terms of the top 10 of what were the highest grossing theaters around the country, a lot of it comes from the Los Angeles area, whether it's the drive-ins or in Orange County, which is if you're in the Los Angeles area, that's the closest county that you can go in to watch a tenant or any kind of movies at an AMC or a Regal. So when you know that those are the top places and you know a Nolan film does great work both in the LA, New York area, and those are the top markets in media and in theatrical box office, then you're not going to have great success. And if those still remain closed for a particular moment in time over these next few weeks, then you're not going to really see a big boost. And maybe Warner Brothers knows that. And I think they do know that. And they're waiting and then playing the long game. And it might be working for them internationally. But here in the States, it's not really doing all that much for them. So I think this is just, it's unfortunate. It's probably something that we all saw coming, but it's just Warner Brothers took a swing and at least here in the States where I think a lot of people were putting their eyeballs, it just didn't, it didn't hit. 
but it's hitting internationally, which has been the story for this whole entire coronavirus situation. Whereas internationally, it seems like a lot a lot of other countries have a grasp on it. Whereas here, it's a little bit more of a sticky situation. So that's the the box office is just another piece of evidence to that contrary to that belief. So again, I'll be still be covering the box office. New Mutants and, and Unhinged did okay. Again, number two was New Mutants. Unhinged came in at number three. You had the Broken Hearts Gallery coming in at number seven. Conjillionaire, the new Evan Rachel, the new Evan Rachel Wood film with Gina Rodriguez from Miranda July, came in at number eleven for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. The Trial of Chicago Seven came in at around a hundred theaters. There were no numbers yet, but according to some reports, especially from Deadline, a words from the theater owners, the buzz from it is that they're averaging around ten people a show, which is not a really good sign this is coming from deadline that is not a good number to have even though it is a netflix film and they don't really generate a whole lot of money it's still not that i think the business that netflix would want and the theaters would want in their partnership with netflix and it's not like these films go out to amc to regal they haven't worked out any deals for a window they usually go to an indie film like an alamo draft house or a lot of smaller independent theaters that are not chained like an amc regal or a a a a cinemark excuse me so i think netflix is really looking for the numbers to come in when trial comes out on october 16th for everyone to see on netflix but that is this weekend's box office what did you guys think about the numbers what do you think they could really mean for the future let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and now moving on away from the box office i want to talk about a new story that i think took a lot of people by surprise it broke earlier today specifically this morning here on the eastern seaboard and this is coming from a deadline and i think this shocked a lot of people in terms of the announcement and also the details within the announcement and it is being reported by deadline hollywood that barry jenkins is going to be the director for the now announced lion king sequel for the hit film that was a remake of the classic 1994 film that is considered by many to be one of if not the greatest animated film of all time some even put it as one of the great films of all time with the lion king and last year it came out in 2019 the film was a huge box office smash grossing 1.6 billion dollars at the box office well enough to be the second highest grossing film of 2019 right behind well not even right behind but way behind the record-breaking setting film avengers endgame so lion king there was a lot of of praise for it for its the the way that it had its cgi from the visual effects and people knew the story the emotion the nostalgia of people that grew up with it with their childhood introducing it to new generations of kids as well with this adaptation there was a lot to love about it and it seems like barry jenkins will be taking over from john favreau who if i had to guess is probably very busy working on the mandalorian which has turned out to be a great success 
success for Disney as well, and especially for the Star Wars universe. So I'm sure Disney and Lucasfilm want to focusing on that show that is really the only saving grace for the Star Wars universe at this particular moment in time. And according to the Deadline article, this is going to be a completely original story and won't be kind of adapting, it seems like, anything from the direct-to-video sequels that came from the 94 Lion King film, like Lion King Simba's Pride or Lion King One and a Half. It's not going to have any adaptation from that. It's going to be wholly original. And this is what comes from Deadline in terms of describing what the premise could potentially be and what it harkens back to. So this is from Deadline saying, the story will further explore the mythology of the characters, including Mufasa's origin story. Moving the story forward while looking back conjures memories of The Godfather Part Two, set on the African plain with a continuation of the tradition of music that was a key part of the 1994 animated classic and the 2019 film and the blockbuster Broadway stage transfer. So immediately when people hear Godfather Part Two. No, it's not going to probably be as great as The Godfather Part 2. And whenever you hear these comparisons made about all these classic films, about taking these certain story structures or story ideas or format ideas, they're not in the same vein as those, obviously. But when you hear about that kind of story potential, it does leave a really interesting door open because we've never really known any kind of backstory to Mufasa. We know kind of the, the, the trials and tribulations that he provided to Simba, but we don't really know a lot about how he rose to power. So if they kind of show Simba going through and becoming king and his early days of being the king of Pride Rock and showcasing that and juxtaposing it to how Mufasa's was, that could be a really interesting dichotomy and showcasing the parallels between father and son and continuing that storyline moving forward that was set in, in the first film. So right away when you think of Barry Jenkins, going back to the director, I think to me, whenever you have a project like this, there's always something that you want to hook people in right away. And I think for a lot of film uh, film people, for a lot of people that love cinema, when you hear the name Barry Jenkins, I think that's an immediate hook because you know this guy's resume. Moonlight, which will always go down in history with La La Land for that whole best picture situation. But when you look at Moonlight on its own merits, it's a phenomenal film. It really broke Barry Jenkins out onto the spotlight of directors to watch. Then he followed that movie up with what I thought was a very underrated film that didn't get the same love, but was just as, I think, as equally great. Not, definitely not better than Moonlight, but was another great follow-up for Barry Jenkins in If Beale Street Could Talk. And he has a few other projects that he's working on right now, but he's proven himself to be a very capable director, and this would be his first major studio film. So I think this is one that fits right inside Barry Jenkins, because I think when you look at what Disney's trying to do as well, they're definitely trying trying to push that diversity front a little bit more now. You saw it last week, especially last Friday with the announcement of one of the the blackest stars uh, starring in the new Peter Pan film as Tinkerbell. And Tinkerbell now is going to be African-American. Same thing as what they're doing with Ariel and the Little Mermaid with Halle Berry, in which they're, they're trying to, to diversify it up and, and showcase it to 
to other groups of people that want to see themselves reflected on screen as well. And I think for Barry Jenkins, one of the things going into the into last year's Lion King was that there was a lot more authenticity with the music and the voiceovers where it really came from that African lifestyle that the 1994 film really was trying to portray it as in that African wasteland, even though the story had had similarities and was very much adapted from the Hamlet storyline. So I think you saw in Beyonce's album as well in Black is King, there were a lot more African elements to it with the 2019 film. And I think Barry Jenkins is going to continue that and evolve that and add a lot more elements now that he is from that culture he can bring that to this film as well so that's something that excites me as well and while this does give me a lot of positive signs and momentum there are some questions that come about this as well and i'm going to go back to barry jenkins because the reason a lot of these disney films are made obviously is because of the money these films make billions of dollars the one hairline that hasn't made billions of dollars so far in the last few years has been Dumbo when it was last which was last year Lion King Aladdin Beauty and the Beast those all made billions of dollars at the box office so these clearly this is clearly working for Disney in which people are coming back and, and feeling that nostalgia tinge that they might have had from their childhood and again reintroducing this and introducing this to a whole new generation of of people but also when it comes to the Lion King the reason that that they did that and the reason they brought John Favreau on was because of the technology. He knew that technology because he worked with it and did a great job of utilizing it in The Jungle Book, which was an incredible film. And they wanted him to do that, but on a much bigger scale and, and do it completely rendered in that visual landscape that he did with the with the, the Jungle Book. So you don't have that with with Barry Jenkins. And again, I love Barry Jenkins. I think he's a great director. But again, this is going to be his first studio film, which I have no doubt he would do incredibly well in. But he doesn't have the experience with this technology. John Favreau has is forward thinking with a lot of the technological movements. Again, Jungle Book, this Mandalorian, you're seeing that with the volume. He this is kind of what makes him that made him a great director. He has a lot of that technological thinking of new ways to innovate filmmaking. And Barry Jenkins is more of a I think approaches things more from story and characters and from that kind of medium, not really the visual landscape. So the one thing that I'm questioning is how is he going to deal with this technology? I hope that Disney puts him in with the right people, people that worked with Favreau on that first film, and show him this is what we did on the first film, this is how we can evolve it, and this is how he utilized it so that they can teach Barry Jenkins on how to utilize his technology going forward and doing a sequel to this film. So that's the one thing that I have questions about. It's not really a negative as it is kind of just what is Barry Jenkins going to do because this is going to add a new arsenal for him if he's able to get it right. And then you also have the music, which when you look at all these live action retellings, I think a big part of people going back to them is they want to see and hear that music again, but from a different perspective, from a live action perspective. How do they do these songs? And The Lion King has a, pl a plethora of them. Hakuna Matata, I, I, I Just Want to Be King, The Circle of Life. Those are all songs that people just go to and you just get goosebumps when you watch it on the screen. I remember when I saw last year, The Lion King, just seeing that opening sequence just gave me goosebumps and, and emotions kept flooding back. So 
how are you going to move on with this film and add new music? I think when Disney has done these live action films, the the, the new music has been hit and miss for me personally. I, I think a lot of people don't like the new music that comes in when they when uh, when they add in these new brand new songs. But some of them I do like. I love the speechless song that Naomi Scott sings in Aladdin. It might not fit in there in the story a little bit. They might shoehorn it in, but the actual song itself. I actually enjoyed it. I, I get goosebumps with it. I, I think it's it's a really well done song. Same thing even with Forevermore from Beauty and the Beast. I actually enjoy that song as well. I didn't really enjoy Spirit all that much. I thought that was an ass song, especially from somebody as great as Beyonce. So I didn't think that was a really good song. But again, it's been hit and miss for me with these original songs. So what what are they going to do for original senses? Because you're not gonna you're not gonna have those nostalgic undertones you're not gonna have that nostalgic edge for this movie as you deal with the first film you're gonna have the characters that you've established in this and you'll get people excited about that but you're not gonna have again the songs the lines the settings it's all gonna be different which is exciting at the same time because this also gives this also gives the the movie and the audience something to be excited about and also i think for the naysayers this gives them something to kind of uh, go away with and the fact that if Disney does succeed with this with an Aladdin 2 I know they're making a potential sequel for the Jungle Book 2 what if you're able to kind of say we're doing original ideas with these characters they're not just nostalgic trips that we want everybody to go with then I think th- this could be a potential franchise for Disney that they can actually fall back on and not just run out of the well dry with stuff they can continue forward with this because one of the things that I'm looking forward to is is the Aladdin sequel because I love the characters that were revised and the the way that a lot of the the actual characters were done in their in that kind of way and I also love the the world that was built so I want to see that kind of evolved with the way and these takes that these actors are taking with these characters same thing with what they're doing with the Lion King you bring back Donald Glover you bring back the great chemistry between Timon and Pumbaa that was done between Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. I know a lot of people weren't fans of Beyonce, and I was one of those people that were not fans of it. Do you bring her back? Do you recast her? Which I think would cause a lot of people to go into an uproar. So there's a situation with that. Do you bring back Alfre Woodard to play Simba's mother? Do you bring back James Earl Jones? If this is going to explore Mufasa's origin, do you bring back James Earl Jones? Does he want to come back to portray that? So I think... It'll be very interesting to see where this goes. But again, from just taking this from the news that Barry Jenkins is coming in to direct this and and he's going to be taking over from John Favreau, again, I think it's a surprise twist that nobody saw coming. And for somebody who is a proficient filmmaker, who has an incredible resume, who has a great track record in Hollywood right now, this is a great start to what could be a potential good film from Disney in a sequel with The Lion King. There's already a first draft that has been put in. This is probably ways ways into the future we probably won't be getting this until the back half of 2020 or the 2020s when all is said and done especially with covid whatever happens with those timelines so be prepared for this to be around a decade since the first film i think came out just because of the way that covid is working right now with productions 
they're still working through the the draft and 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 in creating the story this isn't like they can really kind of harken back off anything and also update the the technology as well and barry jenkins is going to have to get accustomed to that again and so again it'll be interesting i like the the hire barry jenkins and to me that is a huge positive moving forward and to again congratulate barry jenkins on getting his first major studio production to direct and and, and be the 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 helmer of it's going to be really exciting and he's a guy that deserves this opportunity and i'm excited to see what he does with it so what do you guys think about barry jenkins coming on board to direct a sequel to last year's the lion king let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and staying in the realm of disney but moving to disney plus and in the world of the marvel cinematic universe it was announced last week according to variety that marvel has announced or has greenlit a disney plus show based around the character of nick fury who is played by samuel l jackson in the mcu from its early days the first film really in that post credit stinger in iron man in 08 all the way to his role, supporting role, in Spider-Man Far From Home last year. So he's been a main focal point of the MCU for quite a long time. Not as much as it used to be. He was a really big proponent from Iron Man to the Avengers, and then he had a role in Captain America the, the, the Winter Soldier, and then he kind of had more supporting roles until he had a major presence in Captain Marvel and Spider-Man Far From Home. So Nick Fury has kind of been on an up-and-down roller coaster of, of prominence in the mcu and it seems like if this does turn out to be true once marvel does announce this and again they haven't come out publicly and announced it this is coming from variety then if this does turn out to be true then i think this is a really good uh, show to do and i think i i've enjoyed nick fury in the mcu he's played brilliantly by samuel l jackson but i feel like we started to kind of scratch the surface in the first avengers and even in the Winter Soldier, but ever since then, we haven't really kind of gotten an idea of Nick Fury and kind of gotten a fully fleshed out version of him. And I think he, he is such an interesting person in the comic books. And again, when you have an actor like Samuel L. Jackson, you want to utilize him to the fullest. And he's been around the MCU, again, since its inception, and he knows the character of Nick Fury. So if you're able to do a show with him, then it's not like you're bringing in somebody who has no idea what the character is. This is a guy who is is a veteran actor, period, but is also a veteran with this character. So if this is like a spy thriller or maybe a sci-fi adventure, if you know where he is by the end of Far From Home, this could be really interesting. And so I, I agree with this. I'm excited about it. The fact that if we do get a Nick Fury show with Samuel L. Jackson, that's, that's, that's incredible. And so the story is being kept under wraps right now. We don't know what it would be but again could be interesting I, I like the idea of a samuel jackson disney plus show and it just adds to the litany of shows that are on the disney plus lineup as of right now from wandavision which is coming out this year as of now falcon and the winter soldier loki the what if animated show i mean she hulk moon knight miss marvel it really seems like marvel studios is going full all out with disney plus and integrating it into its universe and flip-flopping between the television world the the big screen with black widow eternals thor love and thunder doctor strange multiverse of madness so this is exciting and i think you're gonna really see a lot of these supporting characters get their time in the spotlight with these Disney Plus shows. You, again, you have a Hawkeye Disney Plus show happening 
as well. So it's really, really exciting. And I think Nick Fury is a really good person to give his own his own television show. And I think it's also incredible that Samuel Jackson is still doing this. I remember he was one of the very first to get really a huge extension with the MCU. I think it was originally an, an eight to nine picture deal. And if I could think about it right now, I think he pretty much fulfilled that. And the only one that I can think of that had a longer film contract than that in its inception of the MCU was Sebastian Stan, who as of right now, as far as I know, is still on his nine picture deal as well. So they have had long contracts. Marvel, Kevin Feige have plans for these guys in the future. And the fact that Samuel Jackson, again, it seems like he fulfilled that obligation, but is still coming back. And if this does turn out to be true and and Samuel Jackson comes back, then I love it. And I'm excited to see if they do do this, what else they can bring out of this character, show different sides of him and see what he has evolved really into since we've seen him in the Avengers, the one in 2012 or the Winter Soldier and what he's been up to. So it's exciting and I'm really interested to see what they do. Again, this does turn out to be true and Nick Fury does have his own Disney Plus show. What do you guys think about this news? Let me know and leave your thoughts. And then moving away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but staying in the comic book realm, but moving over to the DC Universe, there was some major, major casting news that came out on Friday regarding a major cast member that has been announced for a significant role that I think is absolutely brilliant. And according, it was reported by The Hollywood Reporter, but then it was confirmed by The Rock himself on his Instagram story or on his Instagram account that Aldous Hodges from One Night in Miami, which is coming out soon from The Invisible Man, will be coming into Black Adam to play Hawkman. And he is one of the leaders of the Justice Society of America, which is has been teased by the Rocket DC fandom to have a significant role in the Black Adam movie. And Hawk Hawkman, I, I always forget to say Hawkeye or Hawkman. This is Hawkman, and that he is going to have a significant portion, be one of the leaders of the JSA. And just when you hear Aldous Hodges, and if you've seen The Invisible Man, and there's been great buzz about his performance in One Night in Miami, then I cannot be more thrilled and excited for what I'm going to get with Aldous Hodges. He is such a good actor. He's been in these big productions before, and to be teamed up with The Rock, I think, is incredible. Whoever Dwayne Johnson ever teams up with is amazing, and he brings out the best in everybody. But I think the best thing about this is going back and talking about what Disney is doing in their diversity kind of hires and their diversity progressions moving forward in hiring an Ariel who is not white but African-American with Halle Berry or same thing with Tinkerbell. It seems like that the DC Universe is doing that with their characters. And Hawkman in the comics was a white guy, but they found a, a guy who fit the role. They loved his audition and they decided, you know what? We're not going to talk. We're not going to say he needs to be white. He needs to just be black. He needs to be just Muslim or Chinese. Whoever is the best person to fit the role they brought in and they thought Aldous Hodges was the right guy. And I definitely can see from his physical point of view, but also his acting point of view as well, that he would fit that role. And I think, again, they're going to have great chemistry together and he, he can fit that role. So I'm really excited to see what Aldous Hodges does. I think this is just the start of what could potentially be a great diversification within the DCU, specifically with this Black Adam film. Because again, Black Adam was white, but 
Dwayne Johnson is is Samoan and he is going to play it as a Samoan and he looks awesome in, in the concept art that we've seen so far for this film. And so I can't wait to see what Aldous Hodges looks like as Hawkman. And if you know the character of Hawkman, that he has been around for m- millions and millions of years and he can be reincarnated into someone else. It's a really interesting character. So I think Aldous is going to do a great job with it. And if this is the beginning of some great casting, then sign me up for this film because I was already hooked into it after seeing the panel at DC Fandom on August 22nd. And if this is any indication, again, of what we're going to get, then I'm all for it. So I'm happy for Aldous Hodges. Congratulations to him on acquiring this big role. This is going to be a big breakout film for him, as well as what he's done so far from The Invisible Man and and One Night Miami. He could potentially get an Academy Award nomination for that, whether it's an actor or supporting actor. It definitely, definitely seems like he has the credibility to do that. So this is a great 2020 for him so far. So I'm happy to see that he is doing well and he scored this role. And if you go to Dwayne Johnson's Instagram page and you go to the post announcing Hodges as Hawkman, it seems like Dwayne Johns was able to recite word for word of the conversation of Hodges getting the role. And you can just see from the transcript, just seeing the emotion that was probably on Aldous Hodges' face, that the intensity, the energy is there and he's excited and passionate about this. So if he's all going to do those things, then I highly recommend checking out the Instagram photo and seeing what was put on there. It's it's funny. It's fun. It's, 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 it's endearing. And I cannot wait to see what they do with these films. What do you guys think about Aldous Hodges coming on to be Hawkman and Black Adam? Let me know and leave your thoughts. And the final thing I want to talk about today on the San Vistel podcast, everybody, is a little bit of an update from the world of Pandora. And talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger this past weekend, James Cameron offered updates on his first two sequels in Avatar 2 and 3. And we've gotten a lot of behind-the-scenes photos over the last few months. They had to stop production due to COVID-19 in New Zealand, but they were one of the first major ones to get back into production because of the way that the New Zealand government handled the coronavirus. They were able to get back up ready into the production, and it seems like they're well on their way to being ready for hopefully the release date of the first film in 2022 after it was delayed from next year to that year a few months ago. So this is, we're finally hopefully going to get these films soon. It's going to be, by the time it comes out in 2022, well over 10 years, at least 12 years, 13 potentially, since we've gotten the first Avatar film when it was, before Endgame, the highest grossing film of all time. And James Cameron was the king of these visual, versatile worlds that was all just CGI and animated and changed the game when it came to motion capture and creating something out of nothing. So it seems like that's what Cameron's trying to do again with all these underwater techniques. He's always been a savant and and an expert in in sea life and in the underwater world and exploration of the sea world. And he's, it seems like he's bringing that to this film and, and these set of films. So it's really exciting. And he talked about bringing updates about these films. And this is what he had to say to Arnold Schwarzenegger about Avatar 2 and 3. 
COVID hit us like it hit everybody. We lost about four and a half months of production. As a result of that, we've rolled around one more full year for release in December of 2022. That's been announced already. Now, that doesn't mean I have an extra year to finish the film because the day we deliver Avatar 2, we'll just start working on finishing Avatar 3. So where we are right now is I'm down in New Zealand shooting. We're shooting the remainder of the live action. We've got about 10% left to go. We're 100% complete on Avatar 2, and we're sort of 95% complete on Avatar 3. So it seems like they're they're moving along at a really nice pace. And to hear that Avatar 2 is done, which is great, it must be done and post-sealed and locked and ready to go, unless they're probably still working on that post-production right now. But to hear that Avatar 3 they're working on, they're almost done with that, is a great thing. They're working on the live action. It means we're going to get these movies soon, hopefully, and... Again, it's been reported that they're not going to shoot Avatar 4 and 5 until they see the box office results for the second and third film. Because again, like I said, it's been well over 10 years since since the first film came out. And when you look at the box office track record for that film, it's not like it was... In Avengers Endgame, where Avengers had a phenomenal opening weekend and it just took off from there. Avatar built, it built over over the weeks and it was number one. I remember till until at least February it, until it was knocked down. I remember wondering if Avatar would ever, ever not be the number one film at the box office. But in due time, it finally fell. But it was at least, again, a month until that happened. And it just kept increasing. Or if it was a decrease, it was a a very, very slight decrease in its box office take weekend to weekend to weekend. So Avatar just had these these jacked legs that just kept going at the box office. And it just it did something nobody thought was possible and I think made sure to never doubt anything James Cameron ever did again because he takes times with his movies it took him he didn't direct a film in the 2000s at all until Avatar he was working on Avatar for a whole decade so for him to to work on this for more than a decade seems about right but he's working on four sequels to these films and to have two of them all done I think is, is a huge indication that he knows where he wants to go with this. And it's just going to be a matter of, are people going to come out for it? Are people going to remember it? Which I think 20th Century and Disney are going to make sure that they do a re-release of the first film in theaters to kind of jog people's memories, even though they'll be 12 years older than they were when they first saw it. So maybe they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. And maybe they take their kids to go see the second and third one if they, if they are adults and they have families at this point. So this could be either i don't i don't think it'll be a bomb but i mean considering the budget for these films it could potentially be a bomb if they're not both a billion per film but i think it it definitely will get some waves going potentially and and we'll see what happens because also the thing about the first film it was because of the technology that was utilized it was well advanced nobody had seen anything like it before it really kind of put a a forefront on 3D and IMAX in a way that hadn't been done before and it, it immersed you in this world and it was really the buzz. The buzz had people coming and coming and coming over the holiday weekends for that movie and it just spread. And I don't know if some films can still do that, and I'm sure they're hoping that Avatar and the sequels are going to be able to be one of those films that can do that. So I'm happy to hear that there is some life 
to these movies that they are actually happening. We Again, we've seen behind the scenes. We've seen Sigourney Weaver. We've seen Sam Worthington. We've seen Zoe Saldana. And it seems like those wet mocap suits that they're in, in the water. So this is this is actually rocking and rolling. And, and we're finally, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get this film in 2022 and nothing delays it from coming out, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's more delays because of shooting, whatever it is, hopefully we get this film by 2022, the latest, and we don't get any more movements on it. But what do you guys think about these updates from Cameron on Avatars 2 and 3? Let me know and leave your thoughts. But guys, with that, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can also check out these other amazing shows that are on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Candy Beach Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you're all done there, make sure to give me a quick follow on social media when you get a chance. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much. And until next time, keep on screening.